Hey, thanks for joining us for the Celebration Church podcast. I have a quick announcement before the message starts. Starting February 16th, we're beginning our new service times at 9 a.m. and 1045. I encourage you, if you're in the area and you're looking for a church family, come join us Sunday mornings and we'll have the doors open, coffee ready, and we'll save you a seat. We'd love to have you and get to know you more personally. Well, now on to today's message. to see everybody in the house of the Lord. I got, I got echo up here. I guess that's what I get for uh, not doing sound check before service. I tell everybody else they have to do sound check and then I don't do it. Uh, so I have, I have echo up here, but it's good to see you. Uh, I said house of the Lord and I think some of you were like, isn't this a cafeteria? No, you're wrong. <laughs> this is the house of the Lord. And uh, don't you know that where two or three are gathered together in his name, there he is with them. And so it's good to be in, in, in church, in service with you guys, uh, kicking off the new year. Are you guys enjoying 21 days of prayer and fasting? I, I've just been so encouraged talking to different people in the church and hearing about their commitment to it and their experience with it. Hearing people that have, uh, that have lived for God for quite a while and who have said, like, I've never actually taken this step. And this is changing my perspective on what is available in God. And so uh, good for you. I love being part of a body that is pursuing the depths of the things of God, not just looking for shallow surface level religion. And, uh, you know, you can still have shallows when you're deep. You know that, right? When you get deep, it doesn't mean the shallow stuff goes away. There's always a shallow portion. But when you get deep, just the, the level that you can go to is so much farther. And uh, good for you. Uh, that's awesome. And if you, if you have have not joined us yet for 21 days of prayer and fasting. Uh, we have seven days left, um, and I just want to encourage you. I want to invite you. Uh, maybe for you this year, it's seven days, or maybe for you this year, it's one day. Uh, <clears throat> but I want to invite you to join us. Uh, we've got a resource at the information table. It's called Pursuit. It's a book by a guy named David Patterson. And uh, I want you to go ahead and read through that devotional and, and find something in your life that you can cut out sometime this week. Uh, for a lot of people, that's things like social media or caffeine or whatever it might be. And for a lot of people around here, it is actually food. They, they actually get rid of food for a, a meal or two meals or a day, or some are getting rid of food for a whole 21 days. Um, I, I would say one, one, one caveat when it comes to food, and that's this. <clears throat> if your doctor thinks it's a bad idea to not eat food, then you better eat your food. But I'll also say this on, on the other side of that, to bookend that, the other side is the majority of the diseases that we Americans experience is directly due to our diet, and a lot of it can be solved simply through fasting. Uh, so uh, it's, it'll be good for you uh, as long as your doctor approves. <laughs> Very good. Um, well, I'm, I'm excited. We're, we, uh, we're in the series Hallways, and for me, this is a, a first. Um, I'm actually, this is a collaborative series that I'm doing with uh, a mentor of mine and another, another friend. That I've never done this where I've invited other people into my... I've been talking about it for a long time, but I've never been able to really invite someone else into my space of sermon preparation. Uh, it's, it's hard to do to, uh, to collaborate. I thought it would be easier. It makes things harder. Um, but, I, but I think the fruit of it is good. Um, and we're talking in the series, it's a series about hallways. Uh, it's really the idea that life is full of hallways. Hallways are transitional points from one room to another. <clears throat> and our entire lives are, are nothing but a series of transitions, a series of movements, a series of changes and by the time you think you got this season figured out, there's another change. It's interesting because we understand the concept of, of seasons well. That makes sense to us, especially us Idahoans, right? We got four lovely seasons right here. Uh, and we understand how to live through the different seasons and we understand how to live through a hard, cold winter. That makes sense. You know, put, tell the kids to put their clothes on, like, like pro tips, right? Put yarn from one child mitten to the other mitten and put it in their jacket. And then they never lose. Anybody else's parents did that to them? Come on. Your parents loved you. Or, or they loved their checkbook, one of the two, because 
otherwise, you, like I'm always at the lost and found at our kids' school, always digging through that thing, lice infested, lost and found. <laughs> Dig, use yarn and you don't have to go over there. Um, but you can learn how to, how to deal with cold seasons. You can learn how to deal with hot seasons. The problem with transitions is they're never the same. They're not predictable. And finding people in your life that know how to go through a transition, it's very rare. It's hard. Here's what the Bible says in 2 Corinthians 3.18. It says, but we all with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, we are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory. From one degree of glory to another degree of glory. Your entire life is this degree shift, this change moving uh, incrementally towards the glory of God. If you thought today that if you gave your life to Jesus, you would wake up one day and you would be just this pristine, holy believer, uh, you're wrong. <clears throat> it takes change and change takes time. <clears throat> Change takes time. And so today I, I want to try to give you a, a, probably the most practical tool in this entire series on how to deal with transition. The, the first message we talked about hope in the hallways. And the second time we talked about helping or, or not help, but uh, healing that uh, when we're in transition, it's often a moment where God can heal us. <clears throat> and this, this series or this sermon, we're going to talk about the idea that God provides help in hallways. Probably the number one indicator of whether or not you will make it through your transition well is the people you surround yourself with. The change in your life that you are experiencing, the number one predictor is not if you have some secret ingredient, some secret information, some secret strategy. The number one predictor is the people that you surround your life with. <clears throat> and if you do this well, you will experience the promise that God has for you, for your family, for your life. <clears throat> I think of hallways, I, I, you know, this idea that we go from one, one room to another and we go through a hallway, but hallways are always filled with pictures. And it's interesting because usually, like in the, in the typical house, when you go into a hallway, uh, we, experience, uh, we experience pictures of, of people that have gone on before us, Right? I was going to ignore it, but I was just like, I'm just going to leave it. <clears throat> leave it right there. <clears throat> we, we, we experience pictures of people in hallways. It's, it's something I grew up with as a child. Every morning when I'd get up for school and I'd walk down the hallway, there'd be pictures of grandma and grandpa, and mom and dad, and my brothers and sisters, and relatives that I'd never met. And, and these people that are on, on the pictures in the hallway are, are the very thing that God provides in our lives to help us through hallways. It's people. It's not places. It's not circumstances. It's not special agendas or strategies. It's people. People are God's mechanism to accomplish his will. Uh, God, God uses people. Anything God intends to do, he will always do through a person. And this is why when someone blesses you, you can say, the Lord blessed me. <clears throat> it's like the, it's like the, the man that he, there's a woman in his neighborhood that always praised the Lord and was always inviting him to church saying, hey, you need to come to church with me. The, God, the Lord provides. And this man went and, and was talking to some of his friends and he said, man, the Lord doesn't provide for her. This woman struggles to pay the bills. Like she doesn't even have food on her table. Like, like she's broker than broke. The Lord doesn't provide for her. She saw him the next day and she said, hey, the Lord is good. He's faithful. He's Jehovah Jireh. This man said, I, I'm going to show her a, a thing or two. So the man went and bought a whole bunch of groceries and he came to her doorstep, knocks on the doorstep and he said, hey, I just really wanted to bless you with all these groceries and gives the woman all a whole pile of groceries. And she says, oh, thank you, Jesus. Ah, like, like the Lord's been good, right? Ah. And the man said, the Lord wasn't good to you. I was good to you. She said, no, 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 no. The Lord blessed me and he used a donkey to do it. <laughs> 
the people that are in your lives are going to be the thing God uses to bring you through your change. It's what he does. So uh, here's what it says in Numbers chapter 13. This is the children of Israel. And and this is a moment when we see sort of this, this opportunity for people speaking into the lives of the leaders. It says this in Numbers 13. But Caleb quieted the people before Moses and said, let us go up at once and occupy it, occupy the promised land. For we are well able to overcome it. Then the men who had gone up with him said, We are not able to go up against the people, for they are stronger than we are. So they brought to the people of Israel a bad report of the land, the land they had spied out, saying, The land though, uh, through which we have gone to spy it out is a land that devours its inhabitants. And all the people that saw it were of great height. And there we saw the Nephilim, the sons of Anak, who come from the Nephilim. And we seemed to ourselves like grasshoppers. And so we seemed to them also. It was at this point when Israel was ready to cross the Jordan River into the promised land that they sent out 12 spies. And from these 12 spies, just Joshua and Caleb, two of them came back with a good report saying the land flows with milk and honey. Like God prospers this land. This is the place that God had promised to our forefathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. But the voice of 10 other people superseded the voice that spoke the words of God. There were... Two people speaking truth and 10 people were able to influence the entire nation. Here's what it says in Numbers chapter 14, verse 7. It says, and, and said to all the congregation of the people of Israel, the land which we pass through to spy it out is an exceedingly good land. If the Lord delights in us, this is uh, Caleb speaking. If the Lord delights in us, he will bring us into this land and give it to us, a land that flows with milk and honey. Only do not rebel against the Lord and do not fear the people of the land for they are like bread for us. Their protection is removed from them and the Lord is with us. Do not fear them. There were 10 spies that said we are like grasshoppers and there were two spies that said they are like bread. But all we remember is the 10 spies that said we are like grasshoppers. I want you to know today that you can go to the other side of change that God has for you. If you're in some sort of a transition this morning where maybe you feel like you're trying to transition into a kind of marriage that would really glorify God, or maybe you're trying to change into being the kind of person that your life glorifies God, or maybe you're trying to transition into starting your own business today, I want you to know that God will bring you to the other side if you would just trust him. If you would just trust him. The fact of the matter is, is that where you end up is ultimately influenced by whom you end up with. The people you surround yourself with the closest are important. It matters. And so uh, where, where Joshua and Caleb were saying, the people are like bread to us. God has removed their protection. Let's go in and take the land. There were 10 other people that said, no, let's, let's not go there. Let's, let's not do it. We look like grasshoppers. I would imagine in today's society, there would be memes of Caleb and Joshua uh, being thrown up on social media, like hashtag crazy leaders, hashtag lunatics, hashtag not my leader, hashtag like... <laughs> Stone, but not recreationally. Like, like, <clears throat> I, I, I'm certain that there would have been resistance to what Joshua and Caleb were saying because Joshua and Caleb's advice to go into the promised land included the possibility of danger. And don't think that just because there's danger involved or just because it's uncomfortable that, that somebody doesn't have your back. Uh, understand that often the things of God require us to move through uncomfortable situations to the other side. 
to the other side. And so the people that you have closest to you are the ones that will influence that in your life. Your spouse, your family, your friends, your neighbors, your leaders, your mentors, your role models, yourself, and even your enemies. All of these people in your life matter because they're close to you. They're close to you. So pay, pay close attention in the hallways of life, the people that you allow close to you. There are some people there that are, that are ready to lead you to your promised land, and there are others there who have come to lead you away from your promised land. There are some people that want to encourage God's best for your life, and there are other people who want to discourage you from experiencing God's best in your life. Because we are all influenceable. Like, I, I thought that being under the pressure, like peer pressure, or being influenced easily by others, I thought that's something that happens to kids. I, I didn't realize that as you get older, you are still just as susceptible to peer pressure as you were in the sixth grade. No matter how wise or strong-willed you think you are, we are still susceptible to it. Think about social media. It's funny to me because it's, uh, while a lot of people like to pick on my generation because we, we are social media people, um, whenever I'm with all the people that are older than me, it's always you guys that are on your cell phones. So... <laughs> You know what I'm saying? Like, you guys are the ones sitting on the couch with your Facebook out. Like, it's not us. But let's just, let's just leave that alone. <clears throat> but here's the deal. Think about it. Think about it. Like, you could, get, you could have a great day and get on social media, and within five minutes, you can be upset at the world. Think about it. Like, like you, can, you could be having the worst time ever, and, and you could just pull up somebody's feed, and you're like, oh, my goodness, you're, you're like reading into it. Like, they're talking about me, or, like, or they're, they're, they're posting this because of, like, politics, like, constantly, like, memes. Going, like it's, social media is a perfect example of people being influenced to share things that aren't even true. And then when you tell them, like, hey, Snopes says that's not true, they get mad at you. Because we are influenced by the people around us. I think of myself, like I, 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 um, <clears throat> I, uh, this, I like to float the Boise River. It's one of the fun things to do around here in the, in the summer. And this past summer, people asked me, they're like, is this going to be an illustration next week? I never used it that week. I don't think so. But <clears throat> at some point this summer, I was floating the river with a bunch of the young adults. And um, we stopped and, and everybody started jumping off. There's this concrete block that you can jump off of. And, <clears throat> and myself being strong and determined, like I wasn't influenced by any young kids jumping off of a rock until I saw them and said, I better do it or I'm the old guy. <laughs> Like, like I, I'm, I'm going to be there. Like, I'm not going to be the lame one. I'm going to be the one that jumps. I'm going to jump big, right? Like, I, I grew up in a go big or go home culture. Like, that's, and we didn't want to go home. So you just went big. And so, like, so I, I, this summer, jumped off of a cliff because everybody else is doing it and bust my leg wide open. Couldn't walk for three days. Fortunately, those were the three days I was moving out of my house. Coincidence? I think not. That's, that's the Lord at work in my life. <clears throat> but the truth is we are still influenced easily. And if you say, I'm not influenced, I'm my own man. No, I guarantee you there are things that you are definitely influenced by. You just don't see it. When the Old Testament followers were going into the promised land where the people of God had called them to go, God told them to get rid of the people that were in the land so that they could not influence the children of Israel. This is one of the great things that we struggle with. I struggle with this. Why would God condone genocide in the Old Testament? Crazy thing to think about. But the reason he does it is because of the, the extreme wickedness of sinfulness. And he understands that we are easily influenced by people around us. And God says, if you're going to succeed in this thing called living for God, you have got to determine who is around you, who gets in your ears, who gets in your head. Let me say it again. Nothing will influence you more in this life than the people that are around you. 
In 2017, there was a, um, <clears throat> there was a study done. Uh, I didn't write down the name of the university, but it was, a two, it was in 2017. They did a study based on proximity of high achievers and low achievers. What they did is they, they would take a, high, a very high achiever and they would set them in a classroom and then they would uh, have all the students around them uh, just go about work not realizing that they're doing a study. And they discovered that people sitting within 25 feet of a high achiever would have 15% higher productivity. And inversely, they discovered that people sitting within 25 feet of a very low achiever would have 30% less productivity. So a low achiever is actually twice as potent as a high achiever. And this might be a good strategy in business. Thinking about who you place your people around. This might be a good strategy in parenting, paying attention to what kind of kids your kids are around. This might be a good strategy for marriage, paying attention what kind of marriages your marriage is around. This might be a good strategy for finances, paying attention what kind of checkbooks your checkbook is around. <clears throat> All right. You're like, I wish you'd just preach. Stop talking about people. Just preach the word and faith to me. I'd do that, but not today. Not today, devil. Because the number one thing to get you through your season, to get you through your transition, is the people you surround yourself with. This is why we do groups as a church. It's not because we want to like make sure we like have retention and make sure people stay in church. No, it's so that we can develop strong believers who have a support network to bring them through life's hardships. Because discipleship only happens in the context of relationships. Let me, let me rephrase that. You only grow in your walk with God with other people. You do not grow in your walk with God alone, ever. Never have, never will. You thought you did, you didn't. You, somebody says, no, but, I, but Jesus says he'd go out for the, the one. He'd leave the 99 for the one. Yes, evangelism. He'd reach one lost person, but he never disciples one person. He disciples groups. Always. So if you want to grow in your faith, what you've got to do, the first thing you've got to do is pay attention to who you surround yourself with. Get yourself in a group. Find a group leader you believe in. Find a, a group of people that can have your back. Like, this is important. Like, we live in a generation that's, like, just suicide is rampant even in our valley. Like, like it's, the, the numbers are staggering of, of like teenage girls and middle-aged men that are committing suicide in our generation. And yet we resist the idea of groups because we think it's trendy. No, what it is is an antidote to what's going on in your mind. Get godly people around you and you'll be healthier. <clears throat> you'll be healthier. Here's, here, this is even in the New Testament. The Apostle Paul feels this amazing call from God. Like, like a Paul, Paul has this road from Damascus experience where God shines this light on him and blinds him. And God speaks to him and says, I am Jesus whom thouest persecutest ist. And then what happens is Paul, feeling a call from God to go minister, goes to the disciples and nobody gives him a place. He has no influence with the people because of his past. He has a call from God, but no influence. Here's what happens in Acts 9. It says this, And when he had come to Jerusalem, he attempted to join the disciples, and they were all afraid of him, for they did not believe that he was one of them. But Barnabas took him and brought him to the apostles, and he declared to know how on the road he had seen the Lord whom spoke to him, and how at Damascus he had preached boldly in the name of Jesus. So when he went in and um, among them at Jerusalem, preaching boldly in the name of the Lord. What's going on? What's going on in this moment is that God is bringing a kingdom connection into the life of Paul because Paul can't do the things God's called him to do without specific people in his life. This is, this is key. Like, for us to discover the people that God wants to surround ourselves with, the first thing is they're going to be someone who's 
available. Someone who recognizes what God is doing in your life, they sense it, and they're going to step up to the plate, be, make themselves available for you. Because you may just be one relationship away from changing your destiny. You may be one relationship away from having a great marriage. You may be one relationship away from starting that business that God's called you to start. This is why I love, like, like this is just a pet peeve of mine. I love, I'm going to say two things. Number one, uh, I love, this isn't a pet peeve, it's a pet, it's the opposite of peeve. Whatever that is. I love our business leader small group. Steve Hartman leading that group, pouring into all our business leaders. Like, it is incredible because the people that you surround yourself with are the people that you're going to become like. This is important. And another thing I love is we're actually getting involved in, in an initiative to like help uh, the, the churches in Cuba, not through just giving them money, but by building businesses in the churches. Sustainable middle class in a Cuban church where people make $2 like a, a week. And we're working on building church or business leaders there by, by sending them funds, getting them set up and giving them training. Why? Because the people you surround yourself with are going to be what you are. If you're in a season of transition, get yourself around godly people. Ah! Do you hear your mama today? I hope so. Paul had been called by God. But it took a divine kingdom connection to get Paul into position to do what God had called him to do. I think of myself, my, 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 my ministry, I, 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 uh, I seek out people all the time. People that will that'll be ahead of me, that will be years ahead of me in what they're doing. And, and I remember, for me, what I'm always sensitive to is, is whether or not I feel like a, a king, I call it a kingdom connection. And I don't know how to describe it other than you recognize that, that there's a God connect. Yeah. This is a couple years ago. I, I, I went to Walla Walla. There was a man from our church and a man from a church in Walla Walla that were getting married. And so we went and did the wedding up in, a, uh, in an office upstairs in their church. And, and when I walked into the office, I just felt the Lord say, this, this guy right here, this guy, kingdom connection. So we're doing a wedding, but the whole time I'm thinking, I want to introduce myself to you afterwards. I want to introduce myself to you. So I, so I go and I talk to him. I say, hey, my name's Roger. He says, my name's Bob. We start talking. <clears throat> and then for me, what that looks like is then I then chase a kingdom of connection. Because this is a guy that's, that's way ahead of me in ministry. He, he's, he's light years ahead of me, but he's been where I am. So what that looks like is me getting in my car and driving to Walla Walla to go buy him lunch for two hours and then drive back. And some of you are like, that's a complete waste of my pastor's time. <laughs> that's not a complete waste of your pastor's time. That's the best investment you could ever get from your pastor. Because here's the deal. What creates success is not creative strategies. It's not special like ideas. What creates success is the people you surround yourself with. Yeah. There's another man that when I moved to this city, like I, I heard his name once and the Lord said, you need to meet this man. And for four, for four years, every time I was around people that had any idea of who he was, I would ask him, do you have his phone number? Nobody had his phone number. And the dude wasn't on Facebook. And so I didn't know how to get a hold of him until Terry Piper started coming to church. And Terry Piper says, I have his phone number. I called him up and I'm telling you, it's a kingdom connection. You, you, you've got to pay attention to the people that God is putting in your life. Here's what the Bible says in Proverbs chapter 15, verse 22. It says this, plans go wrong for a lack of advice and many advisors bring success. So your plans can go wrong because of a lack of advice, because of a lack of many advisors. But it also says this in Isaiah 47, it says, all the advice you have received has made you tired. Where are your astrologers, those stargazers who make predictions each month? Let them stand up and save you from what the future holds. So which is it? Their safety in a, in a number of counselors or counselors make you tired? The answer is, it matters who you listen to. Yeah. The answer is, pay attention to who gets your 
ears. The sociologists have talked about this thing called the law of averages. The law of averages states that basically you are the average of the five people that are closest to you. You have their average vocabulary. You have their average IQ. You have their average income. You have their average vision for life. You have their average of marriage. The five people you're closest to. Jim Rohn, he says this, show me your friends and I will show you your future. You know why I don't care about going to like my high school 20th reunion, 30th reunion? Because I ain't trying to be like them. They're good people. You got to have people in your life that know where you're going. That's the deal. Like, like kids, like your parents, the reason they tell you things isn't because they're like ridiculous and want to control your life. It's because they are ahead of you. They're years ahead of you and they're trying to give you advice. They're trying to help you navigate a path that you have not been on yet. Yeah. Like, have you ever been in a car with somebody that just hates a GPS and hates getting direction? They're going to figure it out on their own. My wife knows like that, what that's like because I do that all the time. The other day, we were traveling, we're out of town, and she was like, hey, let's just look it up on GPS. I'm going to text them and ask them for the address. I'm like, no, I remember where we're going. Like, I'm going to remember this. And we end up like way down the road on the wrong spot. Why? Because this knucklehead wouldn't stop for directions. <laughs> and then I'm just like, I just, I, I say this, I'll be like, I just enjoy getting lost in strange cities. <laughs> Anybody else say that? Like, that's a, what you really mean is like, I just don't like directions, but... Having people in your life that can see the future, that can see where you're going is important. If you want a good marriage, like I'm giving you, this is, it doesn't get, like this is not, this may not seem like the most spiritual message you've ever heard, but if you want a good marriage, you need to get around good marriages. If if you want to raise kids well, like the answer isn't reading a book. The answer is getting in someone's house who you really respect the way they raise their kids. Yeah. Call them up and be like, hey, I just need to spend a weekend watching you interact with your kids. Yeah. Because you'll learn more in a weekend watching someone that's good with their kids than you will from a book. And I'm all about books. But relationships are more powerful. All right. First thing is, there's got to be someone that's available, someone that, that is willing to connect with you, willing to be a part of your life. This is, this is important. If you, want, if you want to go with the 10 spies, they're going to jump all over it. But you need someone other than 10 spies in your life. You need a Joshua and Caleb that know how to get there. <clears throat> the next thing was, was this, is you need someone that, that has a resume. Kingdom connections in your life need to be people with a resume. You need to be able to inspect their fruit because whatever you get close to is what you will multiply in your life. If, if they're dishonest in their business, just give it a couple years. You'll be dishonest in your business. If they mistreat their husband, you're going to discover that just give it a little while, you're going to mistreat your husband. If they lie to their wife, just give it a little while, they're gonna, you're going to lie to your wife. You multiply what you're around. <clears throat> and Joshua, he had a resume. He had been very close to a humble, godly leader named Moses. He had been on a mountain and he'd heard the very voice of God. He was someone that knew the voice of God personally. He had a resume to be able to lead the people out of the wilderness into the promised land. Listen to people that God is speaking to about you. Because the people that are closest to you are the people that you will soon replicate. It's a principle of scripture. It's not, even, it's not even something you choose or don't choose. The Bible says that, that every fruit-bearing tree will bear fruit after its kind. It says every animal inside of it is designed this ability to bear an animal after its kind. Kind after kind. This is what the Bible teaches so that things multiply after their kind. You don't get oranges from an apple tree and you don't get pigs from a guinea pig. 
So the people that you allow to put seed in your life will determine what kind of fruit you get from your life. If you want to have a vibrant prayer life, you don't get it from sitting home alone. You get it from getting next to someone and sitting next to them while they pray. This is why we're doing the prayer, the prayer, uh, prayer service this Thursday. Because my number one job as a pastor is to teach you to pray. Like that's the number one job. If we all knew how to pray... Come on, somebody. Hi. We'd be running the aisles. You know what I'm saying? Like, if you know how to pray like you think your pastor knows how to pray, you would not fear anything. And so the point is, let's get together on a Thursday night, and I'll teach you how I pray. Uh, I'll teach you how some other people in this room that I know how to, they, they know how to get a hold of God. I'll put them in front of you so you can see how to pray, so you can start praying powerful prayers. Because the Bible says, the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man or woman has power with God and changes things. Yeah. <clears throat> All right. See, I, I was trying not to preach, but you know. A little bit, a little bit here, a little bit there. First Peter chapter four, verse four says, of course, your former friends are, su- uh, are surprised when you no longer uh, plunge into the flood of wild and destructive things that they do. So they will slander you. Here's the deal. If you want to get closer to God, you've got to be okay with getting close to people who love the Lord. And sometimes the greatest thing we need in our life is a friendectomy. I know it's hard, but I want you to be strong. I want you to grow deep. I want you to have roots. If you're a young man and you're like, man, I, I just wish I had some mentors in this world. I'm telling you, this room is full of older men that would love to show you and mentor you. Yeah. Just chase them down. Sometimes you just got to drive to Walla Walla, be a little annoying. Let me tell you a tip. <laughs> Let me tell you a tip. Tell them you'll buy them coffee. It works. They'll take a free coffee from you. All right. You can tell there's going to be a really good altar call after this. Genesis chapter 1, verse 11, it says this. Oh, actually, I just said that. Here we go. Proverbs chapter 19, verse 20. Get all the advice and instruction you can, and you will be wise for the rest of your life. So if you want to get out of debt, you need to talk to somebody who's actually got out of debt. If you want to have a great marriage, you've got to talk to somebody who actually has a great marriage. If you want to have a strong ministry, you need to talk to somebody who actually has a strong ministry. So how do we do this? The first is this, is you've got to decide who's going to take the lead in your life. So how do I, how do I, how do I engage with, with a companion that will, that will help me? You've got to decide who takes the lead in your life. As Joshua enters the promised land, 40 years later, he summarizes this whole situation and he says this, now therefore fear the Lord and serve him in sincerity and in faithfulness. Put away the gods that your fathers served beyond the river and in Egypt and serve the Lord. And if it is evil in your eyes to serve the Lord, then choose to make that decision this day whom you will serve, whether the gods of your fathers who they served in the regions beyond the river or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you will dwell. But as for me, and as for my house, we will serve the Lord. At some point, you've just got to decide who takes the lead in your life. Is it you or is it the Lord? Because we live in a culture, like this morning, I got on on Amazon.com, and and I typed in the word leadership, and it said greater than 70,000 entries available for leadership books, over 70,000 books of leadership available. And when I typed in followership, there was 314, and those were all about how to lead when you're not in charge. Because we live in a self-absorbed world where it's all about me taking life by the horns and me being the one in charge and me making my own self-made man and you know, I'm going to be a self-made woman. And what I'm telling you is this, if you really want help in the hallway, the transitions of life, then you're going to have to choose who's going to be in charge. Is it going to be you or is it going to be the Lord? Yeah. 
Like, like that's the only option. It's either you or God. And Joshua makes it clear. He says, then just choose. Make, just, just be honest with yourself. Choose. If it's really all about you, cool. Let it be all about you. But if you want to serve the Lord, then he's got to be the Lord of everything. Like, Like he doesn't want to be a consultant that you bring in when things are bad and you need them fixed. He wants to be the CEO. He wants to be the one holding the steering wheel, driving the car. Not the one telling you how to fix occasional problems. The Lord of everything. So decide who is going to be Lord. In August 1994, there was a Korean air jet that was landing on a small island in the Pacific. During a typhoon, the winds were raging, and as this plane landed, it came skidding across the runway and smashed into a barrier at the end of the runway. Amazingly, all 152 passengers on the plane were able to get out of the plane before it erupted into flames. But in the investigation that followed, they discovered that the reason why this this plane crashed in the middle of the most dangerous transition a plane can experience taking off or landing was because the pilot and the co-pilot were fighting over who was in charge. They were fighting, there were 152 people in the plane and they were literally fighting over who got to land the plane. And I think so many of us in our moments of change, in our moments of transition, when God is trying to do a deep work and we want to fight him and say, no, you're not in charge. Like I'm going to grab this steering wheel. I'll do it myself. I've done it before. And I'm telling you today that doesn't work. Just let the Lord lead your life. Just let him guide you. Just let him go. The first thing is you've got to decide who's going to take the lead in your life. The next is this is you've got to decide where you're going because these children of Israel had been promised by God a promised land. They'd been told where they were going, but because they had not settled in their hearts who was in charge and second, where they're going, when they came to the promised land, they did not cross over because some things were not settled in their heart. So I would ask you this, where is God taking you? What are the things that God is putting in front of your life? Like, where is God taking your family or your education or your walk with him? Like, where is he taking you? And then what I would say is once you've settled where God is taking you, then know who's in charge and follow him with everything you've got because he'll never leave you astray. He'll never take you down the wrong path. He'll never leave you alone. He is wonderful. He's wonderful. The band would come. Here's what it says in Proverbs chapter 3, verse 5. It says, trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will make straight your paths. Don't lean on your own understanding, on your own direction, on your own purpose. But understand this, God... He'll make straight your paths. He'll make your way plain. And he'll do it by bringing people into your life. So who who is it that you allow to have your ear? Who are the people that you allow into your mind. There were 10 spies that spoke in such a way, they said, we are like grasshoppers in their sight. And there were two spies that spoke in such a way where they made people feel bigger. The 10 spies said, you're small. Joshua and Caleb said, they're like bread to us. We'll eat them for lunch. So who has your ear? 
says this, only do not rebel against the Lord and do not fear the people of the land for they are bred for us. Their protection is removed from them and the Lord is with us. Do not fear them. Somebody says, well, I, I, like, that's nice, Pastor, but this sounds like one of those motivational speeches that the Facebook warned me about. <laughs> Guess what? You may feel like your problem is that you're constantly under the influence of alcohol and you can't kick it. That may be, but I'll tell you that even farther deeper, like farther beyond that, one of the reasons you're under the influence of alcohol because you're under the influence of somebody. You're under the influence of what somebody else thinks. And because of that, you struggle even fighting it. The reason your marriage struggles is because this is what you need. You need to find some godly mamas and papas. The reason why your heart is sometimes so insecure is because you've got the wrong people speaking into your world. I'm saying there are some Joshua's and some Caleb's for you. Like I'm saying, this room is full of Joshua's and Caleb's. I'm saying like there are people that drive by Midland and Flamingo every single week and they're looking for hope and there's people contemplating suicide and there's people that feel like life has no meaning and there's people that feel like it doesn't even make sense and I'm just gonna throw in the towel on everything and what I'm saying is what they don't realize is that inside of this room, there is a army of Joshua and Caleb's that are like, hey, come be with me. I will speak life into you. I will walk with you through the hard things. I'll tell you the hard truths. I'll be with you in the, because I care. Like I'll be with you in the middle of it and I'm telling somebody today like yes you need someone in your life but there's others in this room what you need to do is step up to the plate the scripture says this there are many teachers among you but very few fathers and I would say that this is a room full of people who have the potential to flip the world on its head if you would allow people into your world and if you would get into someone else's world it would change the world would change the world. Would you stand with me all across the room? Jesus, right now, God, you see the heart that is experiencing heavy conviction in the middle of all this because they know that they've withdrawn from godly counsel and the pursuing voices that make things sound easy. Lord, I pray that right now somebody would have the courage to reach out for godly counsel, that they'd reach out for someone else in their life, a Joshua or Caleb, someone that could speak life and hope, truth and faithfulness to them. Because we are a generation that's lost, Lord. We have lost our way. And you've sent us help in hallways. So right now, Father, I pray that you'd give somebody the courage to reach out for help. I pray you'd give somebody the courage or the confidence to help someone else. To be a voice of reason. Voice of maturity. Right now, with every head still bowed, every eye still closed, I, I just wonder if there's anybody in the room today that maybe for you, like you, you recognize, yes, I need, I need people in my life that are close to me. But if I was really honest with myself, what I need the most right now is to allow Jesus to have my ear. I need Jesus to be my God. If that's you and you're ready to, to allow him to lead you, would you just slip your hand up? Everybody else's eyes are closed. They can't see you. I see that. Come on, that's awesome. Anybody else? Put it up so I can see it. There we go. There we go. Come on. Yes, all across the room. Beautiful. 
never underestimate the power of the decision you're about to make right now. Saying, Jesus, I'm turning away from my old self and I'm turning towards you. The Bible calls it repentance. Repent and believe. So right now, I just want you to kind of follow me. We're going to turn away from our old life and we're going to ask Jesus to be the Lord or in charge of our life. Father, right now, Lord, forgive me for trying to do things my own way. Lord, I'm tired. I'm tired of this. So right now I repent. I turn away from my old self and I'm turning towards you. And more importantly, Jesus, I'm turning away from the way I used to think. And I'm asking you to change the way I think. I believe that Jesus Christ died on a cross for me and paid the penalty for every sin that I've ever committed. And so right now, I'm asking you, Jesus, I'm asking you to be the Lord of my life. I'm asking you to be my God. I'm asking you to be in charge of me right now. And I'm going to follow you for the rest of my days. Listen, church, the Bible says this. It says, it says more rejoicing in heaven happens right now over one person that just gave their life than five. So let's give the Lord a hand clap for what he just did in this place right now. Five people in this room just gave their life to the Lord and made the biggest decision of their life. Come on, that's awesome. That's awesome. Thanks again for listening to the message today. I know God has been speaking to some of you, working in your life, and I want to encourage you to take the next step. Respond to what God is doing, and if you're not sure what that is, bring someone into the conversation. We would love to help you with your next steps. You can email us, reach out to us on social media, or better yet, just come meet us on a Sunday morning. If you want to find out more, go to our website, thecelebration.church. On that note, let's continue to love God, love people, and change the world.